Hello, Pivoters. Welcome to Pivoting Out of EDU, your podcast designed to provide you with the inspiration, confidence, and strategies for making a pivot away from campus-based positions in education toward other opportunities. Hosts, Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Stutter pivoted out of campus-based positions and are loving it. Now they are giving back and supporting others doing the same. Hello and welcome back to Pivoting Out of EDU. I'm Jamie Hoffman. And I'm Tom Stutter. And I am thrilled that we get to have one of my favorite people on the podcast this week, Claire Murphy. Um, Claire, thank you, thank you so much for making the time to be with us. Um, First of all, it's late on a Monday, not that the listeners know that. Secondly, you're in New Orleans about a month out after the hurricane. And third, you're very, very busy. And you have a head fortune. How old is Max now? He looks like an adult. Yesterday. Yeah. No, Friday. Friday was the 16th. Friday. Well, you're, you're busy and I am super appreciative that you're here. So, um, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And Claire, a little bit about background of her. Um, we actually used to work together at the place I currently work and then she left. She broke my heart and went somewhere else. Um, but Claire was someone that for me was kind of pivotal on, not pun intended, on, um, my, like getting over the imposter syndrome, truthfully in working in corporate and pivoting out of a campus-based position. Um, we have some fun memories, especially for like my first week at my current employer. Um, Claire was really helpful and just helping me navigate the lay of the land in corporate space and just constantly reassuring that, um, that, you know, I had the capabilities to succeed. And as a result, like, I feel like I've now found a new home. So I thank you for your continuous mentoring. And I'm excited to, to get to share um, that with, with others. So awesome. thank you for being here. And now we get to dive into your background a little bit. So I, I stalked you a little bit online. Um, and I, I think I knew this about you actually, but, um, you started off as an English teacher and, um, that's a pivot in and of itself that we want you to talk about. So you started off as an English teacher. What made you look to change way back when you did? And then what led you to the Princeton Review? Yes, I was in, I taught high school English for two years. Um, and I taught at a small um, private Catholic high school in New Orleans um, that actually doesn't exist anymore under the same name, Xavier University Prep High School. And I taught for two years and I really loved teaching. Um, but I could not keep doing it. I couldn't afford to keep doing it financially. So I thought, well, let me find a job that um, that I can do for a couple of years until I can get you know my feet under under me, and then I'll go back into the classroom. I'll go back to teaching, and that was in 1997. <laughs> And so I haven't quite made it. That was the year before Tom and I met, just so you know, we met in 1998. (laughs) 
<laughs> so at that point, yes, I was saying, well, I'll go work at the Princeton Review. That was where I landed a job as a course operations director. And so to me, it was the perfect balance of operations, which I love, managing things, organizing things, making things happen, and still being involved in education, right? So it was working at the Princeton Review Test Prep Division, um, running courses, SAT prep, ACT prep, MCAT Health Set, all that stuff. And I just, it was one of those things where I took the job as the course operations director. Um, and about six months into that gig, the executive director left and I got promoted to that position. And I was scared to death. I couldn't believe they would let me. I didn't know what I was doing. I, you know, I taught high school for two years. That was it. And I can't believe they made me executive director of this office. But that was. That was the model for the Princeton Review is they would hire these super motivated, um, pretty young folks and load them up with a ton of responsibility and just let us go, you know, just set us off to the races. And we were all super competitive with each other, running our different branches of the Princeton Review, who could get the best NPS scores. And like, I was going to, you know, how did you find out about the Princeton Review as an opportunity? But it probably wasn't on LinkedIn right. back then, right? No. What I did is I got in my horse and buggy and I rode to the library. I mean, that's, I mean, basically that's a thing. I'm not kidding to you. I opened the Times-Picayune newspaper, read the classifieds and circled with a red pen, the Princeton Review needs a course operations director. Then I had my mother type my resume for me, and I physically mailed it in to the Princeton Review office. And then they called me, and I physically went in for an interview. And, and the woman who interviewed me, she's someone, she got this podcast, she's fascinating. This woman, Katherine Still. Um, and she and I just hit it off instantly. And she was one of those people, she just had a ton of confidence. She still has a ton of confidence. I'm just amazed by her all the time. And, but she was, what, like a year or two older than me? I mean, she was, you know, this wasn't like, you know, she was 20, 30 years older than me or anything. Um, and, and she was one of those people where if she said that we could do it, then we could do it. And so I was her assistant. I was her course operations director for about six months before she moved on to New York. She moved to work with Princeton Review in New York. And that's when I took on the role as the executive director and then did, you know, like I didn't know how to write. I didn't know how to read a financial statement. So I went to the library and I got a book on how to read a <laughs> Now we're like LinkedIn learning. It's in the past. If it's any consolation, Claire, I didn't know what a PNL was until I moved into this role either. I was like, "What is what, what is this?" I don't, I, you know, I was just used to getting a budget from the from the university, and that's what I had. I didn't know yeah. what PNL meant. <laughs> no, well, Listen, at least, I don't at least you I can could've... Google it. I had yeah. to like, you know, I could drive my own beat on Honda the library. <laughs> 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 Y'all make oh, it sound God. like it was a hundred years ago. Um, the funny thing was, it isn't that it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I remember submitting applications 
through the mail, uh, you know, when I was first starting as well. And Claire, I have to say, I, I, the, 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 I resonated with your comment related to teaching. I, um, I got my, I think Jamie did as well, but I got my undergrad in secondary education. I did my student teaching in a middle school, um, uh, just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. And I loved it. I loved being in the classroom. I loved the teaching, but my senior year, which is when I was doing the student teaching, we had one class at the university and the, the professor put the starting salary of a teacher in the local school district, an annual salary, and it was $24,000. And I looked at that and went, nope. <laughs> and I wish I would have figured that out after, before the four years had ended. Um, but I get it. I, I wasn't going to be able to survive financially on, on that, that either. Although, I mean, it was a different time, but still, like I, I remember doing the math thinking, well, I have to live in a cardboard box in order to be able to, to, to live on this, this teacher salary. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I think by the time I left teaching, I was only there two years, I was making 16500 Wow. And I was like, I'm never going to get out of debt. Like, I'm going to be, be paying off student loans until I die. Um, and I think to some degree, this is, this is a real problem still, especially in New Orleans, because um, New Orleans has so many private schools, is being a teacher isn't looked at as a career that you have on your own to support yourself. It's looked at something you do like if you're raising kids, if you're a mom and you're raising kids. And that's that's great. That's great for that, right? I'm glad that there is a place for that. But if you really need to support yourself, it's very difficult to do it on um, a teacher's salary. Very difficult. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's even harder in the private private schools where they're probably paying less than the public schools. So for sure get that. Well, so Claire, I guess I'm interested. So you did, you moved, you pivoted to Princeton and, or Princeton Review, sorry. And, um, you know, you've had this amazing career, you know, working your way up to, you know, VP type roles, which, you know, based on what, what I gather has really been about project management. And so yeah. as one of our, one of our core missions this season is to really do deep dives into the types of roles, not necessarily the specific roles, but sort of the umbrella roles that exist out in the corporate world. And project management is one of those that we hear time and time again, you know, whether they're student affairs folks or not, that project management is something that they feel like they could do because that's what we did in higher ed. Now it's just a matter of translating it over. But I'm curious if you could maybe define for our audience based on your experience, you know, what is project management? What do project managers do? How would you describe it for somebody who's never been in project management, but maybe has done project management? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, that was that was the interesting thing with Jamie was talking about in the beginning when she was saying, she was saying very nice, kind things that I had supported her as she was realizing her, her competence, right? Her amazing competence. And I think I had a very similar experience to Jamie where I was sort of like unconsciously competent with this project management. I I didn't know what it was called. And it wasn't until I was actually at the Princeton Review for maybe four or five years, I had switched from the test prep division into the um, K-12 division and started working for a man by the name of Kevin Howell, who ended up being a just a tremendous mentor for me. And he's the one who said, you're a project manager. He's like, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Just just accept the fact that what you're doing is project management. And I started doing all this research on project management and realized he was completely right, that I'm a project manager. 
Um, and that I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. There was already this whole, this whole framework and methodology for how to run projects and, and that a project had a very specific definition, right? It's like an endeavor you take, it has a beginning and an end. So a project, unlike operations, which are ongoing, a project has a definite start and a definite end. And the path that I took was to start doing what I always do. What is all is I started going to the library, <laughs> but it wasn't like the physical library, right? I started going onto the internet and just looking up and learning as much as I could about project management and joined the Project Management Institute. And then realized, as I tend to do also, is I sort of became an evangelist a little bit at the company and decided we all needed project management training. So was able to put out an RFP with all of the things that we wanted in our project management training. And we brought in this consultant who trained us at the Princeton Review, we basically spent three days taking us through this is the official, you know, project management, you know, book of knowledge, the PMBOK thing. This is how you manage a project. And it was, it was one of those moments in my career where I just sort of like, whoosh, like my head just blew open with when I started realizing all the different possibilities and permutations that we could use in our current work that we were using how it would help us standardize um, how we manage the projects, how it would help us stop. Because I think a lot of times what, what happens with people when they're first managing projects is you get to the end of the project and you sort of realize that that thing that you want it to happen at the end, it doesn't quite look like you want it to. So you end up having to go back and do a lot of rework. And so at the time I was working for the Princeton UK 12 and we just had projects that were going off the rails. And so this was the first time that I experienced professional development at work where I was learning things I could, I could look that night go and apply to the work that we were doing. And so it just had such a practical application, you know, learning that. But, you know, my, I do have a dirty little secret, I have to tell you. And my secret is that I have never actually completed my full PMP certification, that I never actually took the test. I actually am really glad to hear you say that because I think that that's something that our listeners are nervous about is, do I need to get certified in order to do X, whether that's project management or a certified learning professional? And, you know, I, I tell folks all the time, it's nice to have, but it's not required. And I think having them, having them hear that from you, who's somebody who has been successful in project management and doesn't have the certification shows that there is a path for them. Yeah, absolutely. And when I hire people, you know, I don't make it a requirement for anyone to have their PMP certification. I'm always pretty impressed when people do because it is a lift and it's a lot of hard work. But I think like a lot of things in life, sometimes people are better at the theory than they are the practical application of that theory. And it's so, so that PMP does guarantee that somebody knows how projects are supposed to be managed, but it doesn't always guarantee that they've successfully managed projects to completion with the expected outcome. Yeah. So that's my secret. (laughs) 
to get to get secret I, credit I actually, for you to divulge. <laughs> I knew that because I remembered ask, remember asking you that question about getting a, a certification. Pivoting out of EDU, we'll be right back after this quick message. Coaching Through It is a podcast hosted by myself, Laura Pasquini, and Julie Larson. We're two former higher education professionals who made the jump to corporate life and now are learning what professional coaching is all about. Coaching Through It will offer you and explain what coaching actually is and how it might help your pivot out of EDU and support your career transition. We'll be digging into coaching tools, techniques, and resources that we find useful. Not only will you get these tools, but you'll find out what's useful for you and where you're at in your career. We're both career coaches and support transitions and pivots. And we have a number of other coaches you might want to learn from as we feature them on interviews on the pod. And let's get real. We've been friends for over a decade, so you might just hear an episode or two of us coaching one another. And a bit of real talk of what it's like to be in the world of work and how transitions and pivots happen today. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, as we'll be coaching through it. And now, back to the show. You know, digging in more deeply about project management. So what does like a, a day in the life, or what does like a, the scope of a project look like? Because one of the things I've also wondered about is sort of if you're quote unquote managing a project that has a beginning and end, um, who's doing the work to get the project done? And what is your role as a project manager in getting the work done? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that's something that rookie project managers get sucked into a lot, or at least I know I did, is that I would run these meetings and I, I didn't realize that as the project manager, it was my role to assign tasks to people, right? So let's say the three of us were going to do a project and our project was to make uh, lunch for ourselves. And so I had a task list that we had to get bread and we had to get, you know, sandwich meats and we had to get chips. And so one of us was going to have to toast the bread. And like, I would say that, but I wasn't, I didn't feel confident enough to say, Tom, can you toast the bread? And Tom, I didn't give Tom the benefit of doubt, right? Like that Tom was an adult and that Tom was either going to say yes or no, that he could toast the bread. And I think that is a mistake that rookie project managers make. And so they end up taking on all the work themselves. That's, that's not project management. That's just a bunch of people watching you load yourself up like a donkey and then have a very public nervous breakdown, right? Because you can't do it all yourself. Um, and so, so I think, you know, for me and for a lot of people, managing projects is sometimes saying the things out loud that other people are thinking but might be afraid to say. And so it's asking those questions like, okay, I know we want sandwiches. Who wants to make who wants to make the toast? Or how should we make the toast? And then like pausing and letting it kind of gel um, and letting these sounds come to fruition. Um, the role of the project manager is to make sure the work gets done. So that is the work of the project manager. They may have certain tasks that they take on that are a part of the project, but for the most part, they're holding the whole team accountable. And that's um, another part of project management that becomes very, so it's, it's a, it's getting people who don't report to you to do stuff for you. Yeah. And so you end up having to really um, focus a lot on relationships and, um, 
and then communicating the why, why it's important that we do all this work, why it's important, you know, that we have to keep this schedule. Sometimes people think project management is just bugging people over and over again or driving them or pushing them. Um, but that's not how I view it. I, I, I find that actually to be what someone does when they aren't necessarily great at project management. So I have a follow-up to that. So we're going to have folks that are listening to this that feel like they manage projects. They probably do projects more than manage projects, right? Or maybe they are doing event planning. So they might be you know, an orientation director who's, who's managing an event from, from end to end. And as a part of that includes multiple projects. Um, so they may have some gaps uh, in, in what they do. And so I'm curious, what do you think that they need to do to maybe fill the gap if they're interested in moving into official project management um, with the skills that maybe they're bringing from a campus-based position where maybe they're managing an orientation program or a student activities event or a residence hall and as a part of that, have multiple projects that they're maybe a part of, but maybe, maybe or maybe not are managing. Yeah, you know, I think that's a good point because I think, you know, I have a tendency to be a little old school and I only have my own experience frame, right? And, and for me, it's always been that same thing. Oh, I want to learn more about something. I'm going to immerse myself in it. I'm going to take a lot of courses. I'm going to read a lot of books. Um, and I think certainly the advent of the internet has made all of that a lot easier. Um, but I think if I were just starting out and I wanted to, you know, hone my skills, actually, I have a gal who works for me now who um, we started talking a little bit about project management and she decided to take an asynchronous course. Um, it was like, I don't know, 50, 100 hour course. And I think she actually even got for her, there's a CA PM, like, a, um, like an associate PM type role. And, you know, there's so much out there now. Like before, you really had to chase it down. The first project management course I took online was a great course. It was about communication, project management communication. Um, but it was a good 10, 12 years ago. I mean, technology has come so far. There's so many great classes out there, short courses that you can take. Um, Because I would encourage someone to at at least learn the the official PMI um, methodology. I'm not saying that someone who's, you know, interested in project management should go out and memorize the PMBOK, which is the project management body of knowledge, but there's five phases in project management, initiation, planning, execution, monitoring, and closure. And then there's these, there's, there's like this work breakdown within those five phases does that mean every single project you should come out with all these phases and all these tasks? No, but it's kind of like having that knowledge allows you then to have the freedom and the knowledge to pick and choose what pieces and which tools you want to use to manage your own projects. So, Claire, I want to follow up one more time just uh, with, with, you mentioned technology and, you know, I work for a company that 
I think we currently use four different project management software tools, which is a little bit chaotic. I think we're starting to figure out how to consolidate and be in one. Um, but, you know, there's there's Asana, there's money.com, there's, you know, all kinds of, you know, there's Jira, there's all kinds of boards out there, right, that you can, you can use. Um, and I think a lot of people sort of assume that's project management. Like I'll get access yeah. to Asana and that becomes project management. So my question is sort of twofold. One, is that true or not? And then two, are there any tech technology platforms out there that as a part of the educational process that somebody should do, that they should uh, learn, invest in, be acquainted with before officially applying or getting sort of their feet wet into a project management role? Yeah, I think that's good. those are really good questions. So those tools that you mentioned, like Monday.com and Asana, those are all tools for managing projects. So if you're using monday.com, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a project manager, um, but it probably means you're working on some projects, right? Uh, everyone's working on a project, whether they know it or not. Um, and you know, if, if they don't know they're working on a project, they might not be doing a very good job at it, or maybe they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, and the project manager doesn't want to bother them, right? Like that's part of project management too, it's knowing is like knowing who you're working with and knowing that everybody's style is a little different. Um, so I'm, I'm old school and I learned project management. I learned it on Microsoft Project, which was like the beast of a tool. And I loved Microsoft Project. And so the, the tool I ended up loving, but I never used because nobody else loves it as much as me, is Smartsheet. And I just love Smartsheet. I think it's the best for making a big I knew you were going to say that. I, I remember that how much you. I love Smartsheet. Um, but nobody else loves it that much. So so where I work now, we use Monday. And I've never used Monday before. And I really like it. I think it's a great tool. Um, I think yeah, it's a great tool for managing. And like we, my current company, we manage our launches out of Monday. Yeah. Yeah, we do too. I, I like Monday um, quite a bit. I, I never quite grasped, and this is not a commercial for Monday, but I never quite got used to Asana. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll also admit, we switched from, I probably shouldn't say this, uh, but we switched from Smartsheet to Monday because for that very reason, people were struggling to adopt it. So It's it's hard. It's complicated and it's not, um, well, it's not complicated. It's not really hard, but what it is not is it's not as user-friendly as say Monday. Right. And so most people who are not the project manager, who are working on the project, are not going to geek out on a bunch of statistics like lag time, lead time, and, you know, they're just not going to do that. And so they just want their information. That's what I like about Mondays, that I can geek out all I want and build all these boards, but I can still make sure the folks that are working on my project only have the information that's really relevant to them, which makes it a nice, um, a really nice tool. For that, um, yeah. Well, okay. Staying on the the subject of project management, for obvious reasons. Um, which, by the way, I always remember. Claire did a, a training for us on project management, and I remember the triangle, which was like, fine, you can have your project, but well, oh my gosh, it was either it late. No, it's you can either have it on budget. Or quality. Cheap, fast, or good. Cheap, fast, or good. Cheap, fast, <laughs> or good. And I use that to this day. I'll be like, no, 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 it's fine. 
tell them we can do that, but it's going to cost more if they want it faster or something's going to be, you know, different with the quality, but it actually really helps it to make it like not personal, you know? So anyway, I remember, remember that about you. Um, Triple constraint. My boss uses that all the time. And so I absolutely appreciate that that is used at places other than my current business. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, terminology is definitely a thing, right? So when I, when it, when we talk about, because a lot of folks have asked for our help in like pivoting specifically in reviewing their resume. And so we'll give them feedback, but, um, you know, we lean in a lot on both uh, measuring, you know, your contributions and being able to articulate things quantitatively, but also using terminology that transfers over. And it seems to me that that's probably even more relevant in the world of project management. Um, but my question really is, sort of if, if someone doesn't have a specific project management background, but they have actually managed projects and they've, they've done a few, you know, Coursera courses or something like that. So they've learned some of the language what would you suggest that they can do to stand out amongst, you know, the hundreds of applicants that you review or other folks review for project management roles? Yeah, you know, that's really interesting. One of the things that I spend a lot of time when I'm interviewing people asking, asking them is I'll ask them to tell me about a project they had that was not deemed successful. Um, and to tell me what they did in was like, like basically tell me about a project that went off the rails and how, what did you do to turn it around? And I, you know, I'm not an expert on resume writing or anything like that. Um, so I don't know exactly how you would put that in your, in your resume, but certainly in an interview, I think it's really important or, or, or a cover letter to, to, be able to talk about both your successes as a project manager and what like sort of your quote unquote failures and how you learned from them. Because I think if anything, people in project management know that, you know, that change is constant and, you know, change can mean anything little from, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's now the deadline has changed to the entire expected outcome has changed. And so I think it's really important for a project manager to be very resilient. And like you said, you can't take it personally. Like you can't, you have to be able to, you know, dust it, dust yourself off because there are some statistics out there that like, you know, 70% of projects, technical projects fail, or maybe it's higher than that. It's a super high number of technical projects fail before they ever come anywhere near completion. So anyone who's managing a project, big or small, they complete that project and most of what they said they were going to do gets done, kudos to you because it's hard work to get a whole bunch of people who don't report to you to do a whole bunch of work, essentially, quote unquote, for you. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Kind of unrelated question, but just kind of wanting to capitalize on your experience. But for folks that are looking to stay at adjacent, either K-12 or higher ed, Um, what recommendations do you have for them of where to look for jobs? Do you have any secret places that uh, you've looked um, or any recommendations of what folks can do to find positions? 
Yeah. Well, um, if they want to stay sort of adjacent to education, I see. It's so funny because that's where I've been my entire career is um, sort of, you know, I spent 12 years at Princeton Review and then a bunch of time at Pearson. And it's a, it's a, it's a pretty small world, to be honest with you. Like once you kind of get your foot in the door of that world, you can build up a lot of folks in your network across the board. And so there are some big companies out there, like the big online program managers, like TU, Thrive DX, a lot of companies that are um, getting really big into the professional boot camp space. That's growing really, really quickly. Um, and so there's lots of projects, but there's tons of projects going on, right? Like all of the companies that feed into higher ed and into K-12, all of the textbook companies, all of the learning companies, all of the technology companies, they all have tons of projects going on. They all need project managers and they all need project managers who have that very specific education lens. And that was the thing, Jamie, when you and I first started working together, and I remember the first day we met each other, there was an interaction that happened. And I watched Jamie's face. I was sitting either across the table or next to Jamie. Somebody said something and I watched Jamie's face and her face just fell because I knew that the person who had spoken to her had made her feel like she didn't know what she was talking about. And I grabbed her after and I told her that that wasn't true and that, you know, not to take any, any, anything, not to read anything to, that had happened. And I'm so glad that we had that interaction because you have a wealth of experience in education, in higher ed and basic or, or not basic, but like generic project managers who manage projects who, who maybe have only managed technical projects. They don't necessarily have that specific lens. So, for example, when you and I worked together and I was managing a lot of course builds with university faculty, I was getting super frustrated with these university faculty. They just wanted us to alter the space-time continuum. And they didn't understand this idea of deadlines at all. And blah, 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 blah. And I remember Jamie and others had to sit down and they're like, no, you don't understand. University faculty are very different. You're not going to motivate them by like screaming at them that something's due in two weeks. <laughs> you know, and that's a really, it's a really important, and it's like, oh, I had to learn that. I had to learn that about higher ed, that university faculty pulled that whole thing together, right? And you have to, I, you know, I have to, I have to meet my, my project, my project folks where they are. You have to meet people where they are. To get what you need from them. I mean, that's really anyone who's doing that right now for their projects, they're basically project managers. Um, because mostly project managing is managing people. Yeah, I um I, I think the nuggets of wisdom that you've provided around not just project management, but about sort of the people management of projects uh, is something that I think that our listeners will gravitate towards because it'll allow them an opportunity to see themselves in these positions. While you were talking, I did a quick Google search at to you. For those of you who don't even know what that is, is one of the higher ed adjacents. Uh, you know, they have like 75 positions open right now. And so, uh, and, and a good chunk of them are going to have, uh, you know, uh, project manager type 
type responsibilities. And I know my company hires them, Jenny's com- or Jamie's company hires them. There's a lot of a lot of project manager type positions out there. And so um, really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about the role because it is one that we hear a lot about from our listeners. How do I break into this field? What are the transferable or the translatable skills that I bring from my, my campus-based position? And I think that this, this uh, opportunity to listen to you is going to go a long way in terms of helping them figure out, is this something that they want to do? Um, so really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you, Claire. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think um, even taking even taking like a basic fundamentals of project management course, you know, is so helpful in helping someone realize, is this what I want to do? Is this what I really want to do? Um, so oh, yeah. more than happy. Well, well, thank you. I, I'll also say I've had several folks on my team that have taken a project management certification at a local university while they've worked for me because they offered a semester long or a quarter long course. And so for those of you still in higher ed or uh, are on a college campus, that might be something that you could look into because you have potentially have those benefits to, to even take those kinds of courses uh, for free. And so I know that they came back really energized and excited and we put them into roles that were allowing them to manage projects because they had expressed this interest and, and they got that experience. So for those of you out there, that might be an opportunity for you to do some of what Claire said, which is read up on it, uh, take a course on it and, and sort of get your feet wet a little bit that way. Again, Claire, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really excited to have the opportunity to talk with you today. For our listeners out there, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Pivoting Out of EDU. We will look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for listening to Pivoting Out of EDU. For show notes and more information about the podcast, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. If you're thinking about pursuing an opportunity outside of your campus-based position or know someone who is, visit our website for advice and resources and learn Jamie and Tom's private consultations offered to support you in your journey. If you think this podcast was awesome, please consider giving us a five-star rating. 